Hey there, you're listening to the Just Michelle Talking Podcast, and it's me, Michelle. And a couple of episodes ago, I did an episode on the topic of time, and I spoke about kind of my random thoughts about time, and I gave you a couple of quotes that I really like, and it was, it was a little bit random and choppy and changey, which is not very Michelle-ish, and so, right, unplanned, what, how is that a thing? And I've been thinking a little bit about this about the fact, one, I didn't like the fact that that episode was a bit choppy and changey. I'm sure it was great value, or I hope it was anyway, but I didn't love it. And I started thinking about, like, I'm sure I've written an article about this, because like I said, the concept of time is one that's on my mind a lot. It, it defines my life. And I went hunting through some old writings, and I did, in fact, find an article about time and how I feel about time and getting stuff done and bucket lists and whatever. And I thought for today's episode... I would just share that article with you because I think it's a little bit more defined thoughts and I think it's a little bit more developed concepts of how I feel about time. So I'm going to read this article to you. As far as I know, it's never been published anywhere and I'll, I'll probably riff a little bit as I go because <laughs> knowing me, I'm like, that's an insuck. You need to be that. That could be better or I'll randomly go off on a side story. But today I wanted to revisit the topic about time. And in specific, I wanted to talk about how every day that you're not living is a day you're dying. And that sounds very dramatic. It's meant to. <laughs> because I really, I really believe that's true. And some of the things in this article I might have mentioned or touched on briefly before. I'm not taking brilliant notes of this podcast, so I might repeat myself a bit. But let's just chalk that up to, I don't know, age or forgetfulness or whatever. So let's talk about this concept of time and, and getting shit done in your life with that um, awareness of time being there. So let's talk about that. Every day you're not living is a day you're dying. That's actually the one sentence I want you to remember from this. So here we go. After the loss of my dad, a whole lot of things came into very clear focus for me. And it profoundly affected my life physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know, we've talked about the weight thing and stuff before. But before all those changes took place, an interesting thing happened to me. And this is actually the second time that it happened to me. The first is when my kids were born. So the kids were born healthy and well, for, for triplets anyway, they're pretty robust. But the decision was made to keep them in the hospital for a couple of weeks to ensure they were okay and on a regular feeding schedule and stuff. So as you might imagine, I was, I was like pretty, you know, I was okay with that. The practical side of me was happy about this idea. I wanted my kids to have the best start in life. But I didn't know that I was going to be checked out of that hospital within three or four days of giving birth to them. I, th I think it was like literally three days. And before I knew it, my bag was packed and I was being driven home and I was forced to leave my beautiful babies behind. And I, I guess the idea was to ensure that I healed well and got some decent sleep before being hit with Hurricane Trio. But to me, it was a really awful idea because it meant that every day I had to get up and I had to get dressed. I had to make my way to the hospital, even though I wasn't allowed to drive yet. And I had to spend my days sitting around the hospital, basically hanging out with them, expressing milk and being really bored. 
And I, I quickly figured out that trying to be there all day, every day, was making me crazy. So I started to go in the morning for several hours. I'd kind of go home and have lunch and, and rest a bit. And then I'd come back in the afternoon and evening so that I could bathe them and feed them and put them to bed. Now, in the hours in between, yeah, I might rest, but sometimes I'd do stuff like I'd run errands, like, like I'd go to the pharmacy. And like, side note, why did nobody tell me how much money and time new parents spend in the pharmacy? Oh my God, that's ridiculous. Stop giving people Target gift cards, give them pharmacy gift cards. Anyway, um, or like I'd have lunch with a friend or I'd, I'd, I'd try to go for a, a walk or just something. But a really weird thing happened every time I was in public. I noticed that every person around me looked and acted totally normally. Now, that normally would not be a big deal, except that for me, the entire world had changed. It was no longer the place it was a few days prior. This new world had my three beautiful miracle babies in it. My life and this world would never be the same again. Absolutely everything felt different to me. And yet I was completely surrounded by people who were walking and talking and behaving as though nothing had changed in the world. It was the most lonely and strange feeling because I didn't get how they didn't get that the world had changed. You know, a few days before I had a tummy full of babies and suddenly I had an empty tummy and a, a world full of babies and the rest of the world did not seem to notice that this was a really big freaking deal. It was just bizarre. It was such a profound feeling of change, you know, an overwhelming feeling that the world had shifted on its axis, but I was the only one who knew it. It's like just really weird. I hated that feeling. I, I constantly felt like I wanted to grab total strangers by the, the shoulders and like shake them and like get all up in their face and be like, can you not see how everything in this whole world is different? How can you be acting normal? I was totally frustrated by their inability to see how changed the world was. And years later, I had that same feeling when my dad passed away. I returned home from the United States and you know, I'd, I'd spent a month there helping my mom figure out her new normal and going through like all the horrible paperwork, which defines death, death, death is all about paperwork. And so I came home to Australia and again, I was hit by that exact same horrible, lonely feeling of being the only person on earth to notice that nothing was the same and it would never be the same again, right? Why the hell were people around me not looking or acting any differently when so much was different? What the hell was wrong with these people? It's like they don't get it. It, it's just, it's as though they are blind and I can see. It is the worst feeling in the world, right? And as I walked around the world feeling lonely and frustrated, I realized that the people around me were just being people, right? They were just going about their daily lives as though nothing had changed because for them, nothing had in fact changed. It was only for me that things had changed. And after I lost my dad, that's such a ridiculous expression. I didn't lose him. It's not like I can find him again. But anyway, my, my perspective on that 
change in the way that only one's perspective can change when you lose a parent, right? And so the perspective that changed for me was that concept of time that I spoke about a couple of, of episodes ago. But I had, as a result of that loss, really understood that I had no control over the time that I had left. You know, my dad died suddenly and unexpectedly. You know, the very morning that he died, he actually had a conversation with my mom about starting to work on their retirement plans because he finally decided it was time to slow down. But by that night, uh, fair to say, he slowed down as much as possible, came to a complete stop. And his, that death really brought home to me the concept of time being both precious and unpredictable, right? I am a control freak in some ways. And this idea that I no longer had control over my life and my time was really a painful concept to, to even think about and a painful concept to admit, you know? It's exactly like that quote that I read to you guys um, a couple episodes ago, and I'm, I'm going to read it again because I'm telling you it, it's huge, which is, I had the epiphany that our single most valuable asset in life is time. It's the only thing you're guaranteed to run out of, and you have no idea how much you have left. And the quote goes on to say, seen through this lens, it was easy to drop a life that felt routine and safe for the opportunity to seek out new experiences and challenges. And for me, having that acute and sudden awareness of the value of time made me adopt an entirely new way of life, which is every day you're not living is a day you're dying. Now, physiologically speaking, from the minute we're born, we're all dying, right? Every minute we spend on earth is one less minute we have because we are all marching towards death, which is a kind of sad, scary thing to think about. But it's true right? So some people are going to reach that endpoint sooner than others, but it's a pretty simple fact that we're all heading in the same direction. And I don't like thinking about that because it's kind of sad and creepy. Every day we're not living is a day we're dying. But I looked around me at all those people whose lives were no different after my big life-changing events. And I thought to myself, those people, those people are just going through the motions of living which is a really unfair judgment to make, actually, because I don't know what's going on in their lives, what victories they are enjoying, what battles they are fighting, where they're heading or where they've been. I don't know anything about these people, right? So I started to look closer at the people around me, people I actually knew, and to listen to what they were saying. And I noticed that a lot of them were very busy not doing things for a myriad reasons, right? They weren't taking the trips they wanted. They weren't making time for their friends. They were avoiding having hard conversations. They were not saying sorry when they should have. They were not declaring their love when maybe they should have. And they just weren't living the lives they wanted to, right? They were living their lives in jobs they hated, married to people they didn't like, and basically living lives, which I guess at least on some level seemed to me anyway, deeply unsatisfying. And it occurred to me that these people, like me and like you and like everyone out there, were headed towards death in a physical sense. But emotionally and on a soul level, they were dying at a faster rate than I was. Every day they were living, they were in fact dying in the ways that are truly important, emotional, spiritual, mental. So, 
that kind of became a guiding mantra for how I lived my life once my dad was gone. I became aware that while I can't control my time or how much of it I have left, I can certainly choose, at least for today, if I'm going to be living or if I'm going to be dying. And, and what does that mean exactly? And I think for me, it means doing rather than just existing. In many ways, living is what I've been kind of talking about the whole way on this podcast, right? Having hard conversations, buying sparkly shoes, you know, all this kind of stuff, making decisions, losing weight, giving and taking advice, having patience and faith, all, the, all these things, right, is about doing. It's, and it's something I'll probably come back to a lot. Like I want to tell you guys a little bit about my year of yes and a couple of other things and that, that that's all about the doing right living every single day with circumstances you don't like be those big or small and doing nothing about them repeatedly to me that's dying and that's wasting the time that you've been given and maybe maybe that's the biggest crime of all really to waste the opportunity which was given to you and only you you get to choose, right, in this life every day that you get out of it, if you're going to thrive or if you're just going to survive. And look, there are definitely times in life when all you can do is survive. And maybe this year is a particular year where that's true, right? Times of crisis of health, times of crisis of faith, times of crisis of money, times when you're, you really are not in control of your circumstances or times when it feels like the world is crashing down around your ears. And I think even in those situations, right, where sometimes you, you really have very little control over things, I think I would still ask you, on that day, are you going to choose to live or are you going to choose to die? Now, it doesn't mean that you're stupid happy when you get told you have a horrible illness and it, it doesn't mean you smile through every time somebody tells you, you know, tragic news or whatever, it means that you choose to be aware of those feelings, you choose to honor those feelings, and then you choose to take whatever action is possible and reasonable for you with those emotions in tow. This idea of living rather than dying every day is really like not a new one, right? Have you ever heard somebody in a new relationship or on a vacation or whatever and saying, oh my God, she just makes me feel alive again, or this relationship makes me feel alive again. People refer a lot to that expression, feel alive again. This makes me feel really alive. This has given me a new lease on life. It's, it's a really old concept, right? People talk about that a lot. But in order to feel alive again, that implies that at some point along the way, you let yourself die right? Feel alive again means that somewhere along the way you let yourself die, right? Personally, having died many times in my life, it's not really something I want to do again, right? And so now, thanks to the experience with my dad and with the kids, I noticed that the world around me is full of, I guess for it's going to sound a little harsh, but kind of like walking zombies. And I don't want that to be me. And I don't want that to be my life. I was listening to an interview with the psychotherapist Esther Perel a little while ago. And she explained this concept that 
merely waking up and breathing every day is not actually living, but the way she explained it was really, really interesting. So she was talking about the fact that um, she was referring in fact to a relationship, but I think it, it kind of, it kind of applies to pretty much anything. So Esther was talking about how she is European, she's Eastern European, and she is the child of Holocaust survivors. And she spoke about how she grew up in a community which was almost entirely made up of survivors. So not just her parents, but her parents' friends and, and acquaintances. And she recounts the fact that it became very obvious to her that among those Holocaust survivors, there were two kinds of people. There were those who did not die and there were those who came back to life. Just think about that for a second. Those who did not die and those who came back to life. So let's think about that. These people witnessed and experienced and lived through one of the greatest atrocities of our time. They then made the decision again if they wanted to come back to life. And she goes on to explain that those who decided to come back to life went on to marry or remarry, go on to have children or more children, and to live very full lives. And the others, those that did not die, well, maybe they didn't exactly die, but they certainly didn't choose to come back to life either. Now, I don't think we fully understand that this is an actual choice we can make here. We all come into this earth the same way, and it's an irrefutable fact that we're all going to leave it at some point. And there's just no denying the, the simple science, right, that as every day takes by, it's another day closer to that end. I mean, technically, every day the sun goes down, that's another day we're not getting back, right? So I'm very aware of this concept. I'm aware of my own mortality while at the same time very aware that the quality of my days will always matter more than the quantity of my days because I can't have any influence over the quantity. So, I mean, unless I'm like out there doing stupid things like, you know, skydiving without parachutes or smoking a lot or something. So I wanted to share with you one of the ways in which I choose to be living instead of dying. And, you know, I choose to, to, not I choose to come back to life rather than not die. So I make sure that I never have a bucket list. I don't understand the concept of a bucket list of things you want to do before you die. You are already dying. Why do you have to wait until somebody officially tells you that? The fact is we already know it, right? I, I, just, I, just, I just, it's such a strange concept for me. I can't even really put it into words, which is why I'm stuttering here. Here's the thing. The concept of a bucket list, right? You only do this stuff when somebody tells you, guess what, mate, you're dying, even though we all already know that we are dying from the minute we are birthed. Here's the thing. By the time somebody tells you that, are you going to have the money or the time or the physical resources? Like, are you going to be physically able to get all that stuff done, right? So, I, yeah, I just, bucket lists are not for me. I don't quite get it. So instead, I have a list of stuff I'm going to do, and then I actually go and do those things. Seriously, that whole idea of gonna only do this when death is imminent, yeah, fuck that concept, not gonna happen. Let's get that stuff done now. My other problem with this bucket list concept, can you tell like I really don't like it? It really bothers me. Anyway, 
my other problem with the bucket list concept is that it, it's often filled with like really huge, insane, grand events. Like I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm going to run out. Of, I'm going to jump out of a perfectly good operating plane or like I'm going to run a marathon or it's like, oh, it's like filled with crazy shit. You know, I don't, we just, just like, what? <laughs> I just think that you should really be filling your life doing the stuff you want to do even if those things are small. They don't have to be grand gestures. Volunteer for an organization, learn a new language just for the heck of it. Walk barefoot on the beach, learn to cook cheesecake, a lot of cheesecakes, every flavored cheesecake you can imagine, whatever. Living an awesome life is not about big things or little things. It's just about the things, right? It's actually just about the achievement of making stuff happen. And like, here's a really <laughs> somewhat silly example of this. If you look around your home or your office or your kitchen, I'm willing to bet there is something that is really small that bugs the shit out of you. Maybe it's like a loose drawer pull or it's like, a rug that you always trip over or maybe it's like a messy corner or a book which you know you the kids still haven't put away or you know maybe it's like you have a hole in that shirt and you keep meaning to fix it and then every time you take it out you're like oh i forgot it has a hole you have to put it back in the closet right i am willing to bet that if you don't look very hard you will easily be able to find something you regularly have to deal with which drives you crazy we spend a lot of our lives living with these little irritants for a little period of time when to fix them is like a few minutes or less like we spend like a year not fixing that broken tile and then it's like a minute and a half to fix it and you're like why did i not fix that stupid thing earlier right go ahead and fix one of those small irritants and then revel in the joy of how good it feels not to have to deal with that annoyance again. You know, roll up or give away the rug, put the book away, tighten the screw on the drawer handle, whatever. You know, the key is then to resist the urge not to beat yourself up about having not done it sooner. Now, I know that those examples sound petty or small, that's they're examples of how a very small small thing can immediately improve the quality of your life right no longer tripping over the carpet every time you walk into the room right no longer noticing the broken glass in the window every time you walk into the kitchen right replacing that broken handle or that dried out whatever or the burnt out light bulb these things sound really small, but think about how many daily annoyances we put up with, which could be so easily solved. Now, the same is true of those infernal bucket lists. To get that wonderful feeling of joy, you do not now have to fill out a list of crazy stuff. I mean, will climbing Mount Kilimanjaro make you happy and joyful? Yeah, probably if you like climbing, it will. But it doesn't need to be so big. Signing up for that French class you always wanted to do, learning to do a handstand, shaving your hair off just to see what a bald head feels like. You know, all of those things are things you want to do before you die. But why don't you do them now when you, you don't need to wait until somebody says to you, hey, you have a year or a month or six weeks or whatever it is to live. You know what? 
the best reason I can think of for doing stuff now is because you don't know when now is going to run out. That's the exact reason you should be doing it, right? If I return to that quote, he says, once I understood that time was my resource that was running out and I had no idea how much left, it was easy to drop a life that felt routine and safe for the opportunity to seek out new experiences and challenges. Going to do stuff makes a really big difference to whether every day you are spending your day living or whether you are spending your day dying. And I'm not sure about you, but I know which way I want to spend my life. It's not that I think you have to fill every day with a thousand activities, right? I'm not for a second suggesting that you wake up in the morning and you... I don't know, bake the fresh bread for your toast and also cook the jam for your whatever while you're practicing your French and your whatever. I'm simply suggesting that all of us would do better to realize that life is something that we should be enjoying, investing in, making easier, getting shit done, right? I never want to feel that... I wasted the life I was given and I wasted the time I was given. I learned that lesson the hard way by losing, or <laughs> here we go with the losing again, by, by misplacing my dad. Yeah, he's somewhere lost in aisle nine. Anyway, I, I never want to feel that feeling again, like I am, I'm just existing. And being keenly aware of my mortality, sometimes, I guess, like I said at the beginning of this, can feel morbid or a bit sad or a bit terrible but instead of looking at it as every day i'm living is a day that i'm closer to dying right a day that i'm closer to dying i look at it as every day i'm living is a day i get to live and that just makes a huge difference to me right the rest of the world is out there not noticing that your life has profoundly changed but you know what maybe they don't need to be aware maybe just you need to be aware right? How lucky am I to have lived a life filled with great joy and great sorrow because I do think you need both to enjoy them. But I don't think that's luck at all. I think that's going out there and getting stuff done and getting it done now because I don't know how much time I got to get to enjoy it. And that's also true for you. So what I want you to remember is just that one line. Every day you're not living is a day that you're dying. And yes, of course, the scientists among us will tell us we're dying anyway. But personally, I like to think of it as every day I get is another great day to be alive. So thanks, universe, for that. Nice to wake up every morning, really. Plenty of people who don't, right? I guess what I'm really trying to tell you is don't waste your life when you don't know how much of it you got, right? I feel that just to lighten the mood around here, I feel the same way about chocolate. If you don't know how much chocolate you have left, maybe you should savor that bite just a little bit longer. <laughs> and on that note, my beautiful, beautiful friends, thank you so much for listening to me today. I really appreciate it. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. And may you be at peace.